This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. The most debilitating wounds are not physical. Usually over time, physical wounds, they'll heal. No, the most debilitating wounds are emotional, even spiritual. Really, no matter how much time passes, emotional wounds, spiritual wounds, they can hurt just as much the day they happened. They seem to linger and continue to cause pain and suffering years after. Consider the story of Louis Zamperini. Maybe you've read the book Unbroken by Laura Hildebrand. But Louis Zamperini was a, a man who, who competed in the 1936 Olympics as a runner. Um, he, he was in a fighter plane in the World War II. His, his plane was shot down and somehow he survived the plane crash. And then him and another man were, were in a life raft and they somehow survived 47 days in the open sea battling shark attacks and starvation. Actually, their life raft was shot at from a Japanese plane, had holes in it, and they're patching the holes as they're getting attacked by sharks underneath. It's just an incredible story. Then after 47 days of of surviving the open sea, uh, they got picked up by a Japanese boat. And Louis Zamperini was taken to a prisoner camp where they found out that he was a a U.S. um, Olympic athlete. And... uh, One of the prison guards, Wantanabe, also known as the bird, abused him, physically tortured him for two years straight every single day. Somehow he survived. It's a remarkable story of how much physical pain he could endure. It's so remarkable that, that Angelina Jolie produced and directed the movie Unbroken. Maybe some of you saw the movie showing how he endured all the physical pain and still survived, remained unbroken. But that was only half of the story. See, when he got back to the States, he might look fine on the outside, uh, his wounds healed, but the emotional and spiritual wounds remained. And that's what was eating him alive from the inside out. That's what was really debilitating him. That's what really he struggled with. And you might know that yourself, right? Um, Your story might not be as dramatic as Louis Zamperini, but everybody hurts. Uh, Maybe you've been a victim of of physical or sexual abuse. Uh, Maybe you've been abandoned by family or friends. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe um, you, you you were... misaligned or, or, or you're mistreated at your workplace or maybe online on social media. People have taken your name and drew, taken it through the mud. Everybody hurts. Now, we know what to do with physical wounds. Usually over time, physical wounds will heal and the times they don't, you go see a doctor. And we know what to do with emotional wounds, typically. We, we might go see a counselor and or a therapist, and maybe over time we get some healing. But what do you do about the deep spiritual wounds of of hatred, of anger, of resentment, of guilt, of fear, of shame? What do you do with those kinds of wounds? And so the question we want to answer today is, how can we heal our hearts? 
How can we heal our hearts? And to answer that question, we're going to finish off this sermon series, Start With Jesus. And, and through this sermon series, we've been challenging some assumptions or misconceptions that people might have of Christianity. Some people might assume, maybe you assume, that Christianity is all about power or your political party. Or maybe you thought Christianity was all about being judgmental or hypocritical. And we've looked at each one of those ideas and we started with Jesus, went back to the founder of Christianity to try to challenge those assumptions. Well, today, one of the assumptions that maybe you have is that this book is just a book. It can't really heal my heart. That this book is just an ancient idea. I come to church, but it's not really powerful enough to heal my heart. And so I want to challenge that assumption by starting with Jesus and go back to the founder of Christianity, Jesus Christ. And today what we want to look at is, is not just the, the teachings of Jesus. Throughout the sermon series, we've been looking at the challenging teachings of Jesus. Today we want to look at the life of Jesus. And we want to see what he experienced, how he experienced suffering by going to the cross and seeing what it looked like on Good Friday, the day he died. So let's read from Luke chapter 23, verse 33. It says this. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Now, I don't know how much you know about the crucifixion, but all of the biblical authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they describe um, the days or the day of Jesus' crucifixion, they give quite a bit of detail explaining all the events that led up to Jesus' death. They talk about how he was spit on, how he was mocked, how he was, he was abused, how he was, he was hurt, how he was clubbed, how he was whipped. They explained all these things, but when they get to the crucifixion, all the biblical authors just say he was crucified. They didn't explain the nails. They didn't go into great detail because they never had to. Crucifixion was so horrendous, so horrible, that it needed no description. In fact, it was so bad that the Romans came up with a very own word, a word that we use today, excruciating. When we use the word excruciating, that was a, a Roman word that was invented that means to crucify. And so Jesus was experiencing incredible physical pain. But as we mentioned before, the most debilitating wounds are not physical. They're emotional, even spiritual. Let's see what Jesus experienced, how insult was added to injury. So verse 35 says this. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. And so as Jesus is stretched up on this cross and, and he's looking out at the crowd, he sees people, probably the people that, that he had taught before, maybe some people in the crowd that he had healed and they're sneering at him. Oh, we've seen him save other people. We've seen him heal other people. Let him save himself ridiculing him, attacking him emotionally, spiritually. The rulers, the religious rulers, the, 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 supposed to be God's representatives, were also sneering at him, making fun of him. And then in the next verse, it says this, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You see, there was a notice written above his, his, his head that said, Jesus of Nazareth, 
king of the Jews. And the Romans are saying, we follow the Caesar, the king. You think you're a king, Jesus? Come down from that cross if you really think you're a king. Again, attacking him emotionally and spiritually. Even next to him was a criminal who's being crucified also. And you'd think that someone who's suffering next to him would have some pity on him, but that's not true. The, the, the criminal next to him also heaped insults on him and said, aren't you the Messiah? Hey, you said you're the Messiah. Save yourself and us. But the most debilitating wound was the deep spiritual wounds. And we read about it in the book of Matthew where, where Jesus felt completely abandoned Abandoned from his heavenly father himself when he shouted out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you see why we need to start with Jesus? When we experience pain and suffering, physical, emotional, even spiritual wounds, we need to start with Jesus because he suffered too. Have you been abused? Start with Jesus. He was abused too. Have you been uh, mocked and ridiculed? Start with Jesus. He was mocked and ridiculed too. Have you been bullied? Start with Jesus. He was bullied too. Have you been abandoned by friends and, and family and your loved ones? Start with Jesus. He was abandoned too. Have you ever felt like when you are praying, God is doing nothing. He is not answering your prayers. Start with Jesus. He felt like his father was no longer listening to him too. When we start with Jesus, when we look at Jesus, we see a God who suffers with us. Somebody who can sympathize with everything we have experienced, just like us. But then Jesus does something unique, something that, that we don't see often. You see, normally when people experience suffering, emotional or, or spiritual, physical, any kind of suffering, usually they get filled with anger and resentment and lash out. That's not what Jesus does. That's what Louis Zamperini does. Perfectly uh, normal. When, when, when Louis Zamperini came back to the States, he was just filled with so much anger and hatred and, and, and so much frustration and, and guilt and shame and fear. He held all that inside of him, but not Jesus. In that moment, when Jesus was experiencing incredible physical, emotional, spiritual pain, he said this. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Now, this is truly remarkable that, that when he's experiencing all this, he was not going to, to take it all in. He was not going to be filled with, with hatred and anger and fear. He was going to be completely different. He knew that, that being filled with hatred and anger and resentment is, is self-destructive. Nelson Mandela, uh, who was a victim also of, of incredible injustice, he said it this way. Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. Resentment is like is like being filled with all of this anger, hoping that somehow your anger, your frustration, your resentment will 
bring someone else to repentance. We'll bring someone else to justice, but it's not going to do that at all. It's not going to affect the other person. And, and, and Louis Zamperini experienced this. He, he even had this plan to go over to Japan to get rid of Watanabe, his perpetrator called the bird. And all the while, when he's back in the States, he's wasting away with anger and resentment, hoping that somehow his anger and resentment is going to affect Wantanabi on the other side of the earth, but it wasn't doing anything to destroy him. It wasn't doing anything to destroy his enemies. It was poison to his own soul. And maybe you know what that's like. You're so angry about something that happened to you. You're so frustrated. You've been holding it in for so many years. It's just as visceral, just as real today as the event and you're hoping if you can just hold it in enough, if you just feel it enough, somehow your anger, somehow your resentment, somehow your unforgiveness will affect your enemy. But when you start with Jesus, you see a different way. When you start with Jesus, you see something different. Here's what you learn when you start with Jesus, that holding on to hatred is self-destructive. And if you're doing the fill in the blanks in your worship folder, this is the first fill in the blank. Holding on to hatred is only going to destroy yourself. It is poison to your soul. And Jesus was not going to drink that poison. He was not going to be filled with hatred for his enemies and resentment for his enemies. So he forgave his enemies. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, does that mean that Jesus thought it was all okay? Is Jesus saying, don't worry about it. It's okay. Um, everything's all right. It's not that big of a deal. Forgive and forget, move on. Is that what Jesus was saying? No. In fact, we know that because of the very specific word he used, forgive. That's a Greek word that usually uh, means, that normally means just to let go of. And, and it's actually usually used in financial terms. If somebody has a debt, you let go of the debt. And I think that can be a powerful illustration. So let's think about it this way. Let's say you're a business owner and you have a customer who owes you a great deal of money and they're not going to pay you. They don't have the means to pay. They don't want to pay. And so you have this great debt that's owed to you. You have a choice as a business owner. You can either get angry about the debt. You can be frustrated about the debt. You could hassle the customer about the debt and you could just seethe with anger or you could take that debt and hand it over to a collection agency. And you could let somebody else deal with the debt. You could take it off your own books. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is giving it to God. It's saying, I'm not going to collect the debt anymore. I'm going to let God collect the debt. I'm going to let him enforce it. I'm going to let him be the judge. I don't want to carry this around anymore. I don't want it to destroy me anymore. I'm going to give it to God and let God deal with it. Now, if we continue with the business illustration, I want you to think about this. Now, if you were, you're dealing with somebody, this customer, and, and you've already given their debt to a collection agency, if that customer comes to you again, are you going to do business with them again? If they give you no means, or they're, they're not going to pay, are you going to do business with them? Of course not. That's not a wise thing to do. And that's the same thing with forgiveness. Just because you forgave a person doesn't mean you got to do business with them anymore. It's not what Jesus did. 
Jesus forgave all of his enemies. He forgave the Roman soldiers. He forgave the religious rulers. He forgave all the people. And when he rose from the dead, he didn't, it didn't mean he was going to go hang out with those Roman soldiers. He wasn't going to invite the, the, these religious ru- rulers into his home. He wasn't at peace with them. That's reconciliation. And we really need to know the difference between these two words. Forgiveness means to let go, to give it to God, to take your debt and let God be the debt collector. That's what forgiveness is, to give it to God. Reconciliation means to be at peace with, to come back together, to do business again together. That means to be reconciled. And reconciliation takes two parties. It takes the other person confessing their sins, changing their ways, and being a safe person to be around again. And most of the people that day didn't do that. They didn't repent. Except for one we know of. The thief on the cross. The thief next to Jesus said, I am getting what I deserve. I am being punished justly. I'm getting what my sins deserve. But this man, Jesus, he has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. In other words, That man was reconciled to God. That man repented. He was at peace with God. Jesus forgave him. He repented and they were doing business again together. They were partners again. They were reconciled. And so you really need to understand what forgiveness is. So if you're filling in the blanks, the next fill in the blank is this. Forgiveness means to give your debt Give your enemies debt to God. Forgiveness means to give your enemies debt to God. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be reconciled with them. It means I'm going to give it to God and let God deal with it. God is going to be my debt collector. God's going to be my judge. I'm going to leave room for God's wrath. I'm going to leave room for God's justice. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, that sounds great, pastor. That sounds freeing. I get the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. I see what Jesus did from the cross, that he forgave people, even though he might not have reconciled with people. That sounds very powerful. That sounds really great, but still it sounds so hard. Still, it feels so hard. How can I actually go through with it and forgive my enemies? Let's consider Louis Zamperini again. You see, um, Angelina Jolie's movie only talked about how he endured the physical suffering. They needed to make another movie that tells the rest of the story, the second half of the book. And they actually did. A few years ago, another movie called Unbroken Path to Redemption. My wife and I watched it a few weeks ago. And it tells the, the second half of Louis Zamperini's story. That after he got back from the war, his physical wounds healed. He looked like a skeleton when he was in the prisoner war camp. All of his wounds healed. He gained his weight back. He looked so healthy on the outside, but inside he was wasting away with resentment and anger and frustration. He was so consumed with anger to his perpetrator that every night he was, he had nightmares of the bird every night. It was so consuming that the only way he could stop it he thought, was to drown himself in alcohol, which didn't help things at all. He became hostile to his wife, unable to keep a job, and his life was unraveling until he hit rock bottom. And it just so happened that that Billy Graham, the great evangelist, came into town, set up a tent revival. I think it was 1949. 
And, and he came and he started preaching. And Louis Zamperini's wife went and listened and heard the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sins. And she came back and said, Louis, you got to hear this message. He, he's preaching some good news. And, and reluctantly, Louis Zamperini went, went the first night, heard the preaching, said, that's not for me. It couldn't be true. And somehow went a second night. And he heard the preaching of the gospel. He heard... Reverend Billy Graham say, you are a forgiven child of God. Jesus died on the cross for all of your anger and resentment and all that your anger and resentment has caused you to do. He's forgiven you all of your sins and somehow by the power of the Holy Spirit, Louis Zamperini's heart was open to the message, received the message and, and he changed. He stopped drinking that night. Never had a drink again. He stopped having nightmares that night in 1949 and didn't have a nightmare again. He was moved by the Holy Spirit to go and forgive his enemies. In 1952, he went over to Japan and he met with all of the, the prison guards and he forgave them. And he wanted to forgive uh, Watanabe, the bird, but the bird didn't show up. And so he wrote him this letter. Tomatsuru Watanabe. As a result of my prisoner war experience, under your unwarranted and unreasonable punishment, my post-war life became a nightmare. It was not so much due to the pain and suffering, not the physical pain. That was not the real cause of his problems. It was not so much due to the pain and suffering as was the tension of stress and humiliation that caused me to hate with a vengeance. Under your discipline, my rights, not only as a prisoner of war, but also as a human being, were stripped from me. It was a struggle to maintain enough dignity and hope to live under until the war's end. The post-war nightmares caused my life to crumble. But thanks to a confrontation with God through the evangelist Billy Graham, I committed my life to Christ. Love has replaced the hate I had for you. Christ said... Forgive your enemies and pray for them. As you probably know, I returned to Japan in 1952 and was graciously allowed to address all the Japanese war criminals at Tsugamo Prison. I asked then about you, and I was told that you probably had committed hirakiri, which I was sad to hear. At that moment, like the others, I also forgave you, and now would hope that you would also become a Christian. Signed, Louis Zamperini. Now it's your turn. If we ever have a hope to forgive anyone, first we have to receive forgiveness for ourselves. Now I'm no Billy Graham, but I pray that you would receive the same message that Louis Zamperini received. That you are a forgiven, loved child of God. That, that you are forgiven because Jesus lived for you, died for you, and rose for you. Forgiven for all the things that, that, that you are, all the hatred that you have in your heart, all the resentment, and maybe all the things that that, that that resentment has caused you to do. All the different ways you've tried to cover up those feelings of hatred and resentment. You are forgiven for all of it. When Jesus said, it is finished, he meant it. God smiles on you in Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd be reconciled to God. That you'd be like that thief on the cross right now and say, Jesus, remember me. And that you would hear him say, you're going to be with me in paradise. 
I pray that you would receive this message like Louis Zamperini received it. That before you're able to even begin the process of forgiving anyone else, that today you would receive forgiveness for yourself. Then you'd start that process and it might be a lifelong process. It might be the rest of your life. You might work on this. It might be a daily battle to forgive your enemies. But here's what I pray. The last fill in the blank that you would start with Jesus by forgiving your enemies, by letting it go, by giving it to God. Maybe you're not going to be reconciled. Maybe you'll never talk to them again, but you're not going to hold it in your heart anymore. You're not going to carry the debt anymore. It's too heavy for you to bear. It's too big of a price for you to try to pay. You got to let it go and give it to God with God's help by the power of the Holy Spirit. Louis Zamperini died in 2014. And before he died, he was interviewed. And this is what he said. I think the hardest thing in life is to forgive. Hate is self-destructive. If you hate somebody... You're not hurting the person you hate. You're hurting yourself. It's a healing, actually. A real healing. Forgiveness. That's a pretty powerful statement coming from Louis Zamperini. Forgiveness is the hardest thing he ever did. Really, Louis Zamperini? Forgiveness is harder than competing in the Olympics? Forgiveness is harder than surviving a plane crash in the open sea? Forgiveness is harder than being in the open sea, battling shark attacks and and getting shot at from Japanese planes on on a life raft for 47 days. Forgiveness is harder than being tortured every day for two years. And he'd say yes, because the emotional and spiritual wounds are always more debilitating than the physical ones. But it's a healing It's a real healing when you receive the love of God, the forgiveness of sins, the acceptance of God, the peace of God, and you begin the process of letting it go, of forgiving your enemies. So start with Jesus. Start today receiving the healing power of God's love for you. See God's smile on you. Start with Jesus and start the process of forgiving your enemies. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, today we, we, we brought up a topic that is so hard, so deep, so painful. And so, Lord God, I pray that not only you would accompany this people with your spirit, but that you would, you would give everyone who is suffering a group of friends. You would give them comrades in, in, in the spiritual battle of forgiveness, that you would, you would wrap each person with, with, with a community of believers who would build them up and help them walk through the process of forgiving. Lord God, we see how hard it can be as we look at the life of Louis Zamperini and, and we know how hard it is in our life. So Lord God, I pray that you'd work a miracle. Help us to see you, to see your love for us and then lead us to do your will. Lead us to let it go, to give it to you to be set free. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.